Welcome to the Intern Whisper Live, the show all about internships and how to excel and do well. This is Isabella. This is the first night I have not had a student with me that was a associate producer, and so this has been a lot of fun here, just so everybody knows. Um, hopefully, we're not too late. I see we are a little bit late, but we are live over here on Facebook. And I wanted to be able to uh, just share that we have a guest tonight. This is John Ennis that's with us. Say hi, John. Hello. Very good. And a reminder to our listeners, you can listen to us live on the air. The phone number is 407-582-2906. You can also chat with us online through the Intern Pursuits Facebook Live Chat. Um, And coming up on our show, we're going to talk about the... um, end of the semester. We're looking for students to join up with Intern Pursuit, but also with our employers that are part of our platform. We have a um, guest tonight, and that's John Ennis, um, just so everybody knows. And then we are going to hear also um, some additional stories about interns, and perhaps some maybe he might share what it was like when he was an intern. Okay, so how can people find us? You can find us on Facebook. Intern Pursuit is on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And you can find Intern Pursuit Game on Facebook and Twitter. And you can listen to us live on MixLR.com forward slash Valencia College Radio and follow the Intern Whisperer. You can watch us live on Facebook. And you can also call us at 407-582-2906 and chat with us online through Intern Pursuit's Facebook Live Chat. So, a first uh, a sponsor announcement. Um, we want to be able to give a recognition to RB Advisory. They offer cybersecurity services to businesses worldwide. They are a security special- specialist for cloud, computer, network, and compliance issues. RB Advisory addresses active threats to organizations, patching network vulnerabilities, and preventing future attacks to your business and information. Their website is rbadvisoryllc.com. Thank you, RB Advisory, for being a patron of the Intern Whisperer. All right, so our spotlight again. Um, first, we want to just invite any students that would like to be a part of our intern pursuit via student influencer or brand ambassador. Go to internpursuit.tech, T E C H, forward slash careers. You can go and check out the job descriptions and apply to be a part of our superhero team. We also invite employers of all types and sizes to be part of our early adopter beta program. Early adopter employers will be accepted to participate and get some additional perks. And lastly, you can contact me, Isabella, at internpursuit.tech for more information. So our guest this evening is John Ennis, attorney at law with the King Law Firm. Hi, John. Hello again. There he is. All right. So um, you're new to the show. So normally the format that we um, follow is that we ask you about where you went to school, what it was like if you ever did an internship. Um, Hopefully you'll tell us what that was like because then you went back to school and you became an attorney. So what's your academic career life look like? Well, going in reverse order. Okay. I went to University of Miami School of Law with the – uh, taxation. I got an LM in taxation there. Prior to that, went to the University School of Law and got my Juris Doctorate. Um, prior to that, was at Stanford uh, University in 
uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Got my bachelor's in business. Oh, very nice. So why did you choose to go into law? Because I wish to be the black sheep of the family. For real? No, really. Really? Just sort thereof. My father is actually a medical professor at Mercer University. And with it, he was the first person to ever go to college and became a medical professor, um, went through all the school system, exceptionally smart. And with it, uh, my entire family was in education. Uh, my mother was a kindergarten teacher. My sister became a middle school teacher, now middle school librarian. Um, but with this said, my father's rules for me was that I had to choose a profession. And with it, he went to medical school, being the smartest of his uh, family to ever go there and everything else. I said, I'll choose law as my profession. Mm-hmm. Um, but truthfully, also speaking, I would like business and ventures. I love business. I love how everything works together. And with it, I thought law was the best way to have everything come together. So, yeah, so I can see why your your parent, what, you're not following my footsteps? That's not right. Originally, I thought I wanted to go to law school also, and I um, took some classes, and then I worked for uh, a few law firms, and I went, you know, it's really stressful. It is a hard job because if you do anything wrong and you lose your license, then you don't have a career path very much. You know, you can't teach, I guess. I don't know. But um, it's a very stressful job. It is an extremely stressful job. It is not a nine-to-five job. It is something that you dedicate your entire day to. In the middle of the night, I'm writing down the notes, um, saying, oh, has this been done? How's this filing happening? Making sure I have everything going forward. Um, however, it's a very rewarding job because you get things accomplished and people get to the end goal. I uh, like it. People go see the doctor to feel better, get their health and medicine. People see the attorneys to make sure that everything's in order to get things done correctly. So you chose, why did you choose that specific area of law to study, though? Because did you did you try on all different things like medical mal, and then you tried maybe workers' comp? Well, despite how often I'm in the courtroom, I try to avoid litigation to the best as I mm, can. Yes, I understand. However, I have always enjoyed business. Um, I love business ventures. I purposely chose the University of Miami because I want to do international law. Um, got a little um, knowledge with it, tried it a little bit around. I was like, okay, international is good, but state domestic was my main activities. Um, with it, I chose to get my tax LOM because tax applies to everything, period. Yes, it does. Business. Yeah, you have to pay employment tax no matter what type of business you are, nonprofit or for profit. Yeah, totally get it. Um, so, did you you ended up you're working where now? You want to give a little shout out to that law firm? Working at King Law Center. Uh, we're up in uh, Conroy. With it, we are a business immigration law firm where we uh, help people with their coming into the United States with their business investments, uh, with employment opportunities, with their um, dreams of setting up their businesses here in the U.S., mm-hmm. whether or not temporary or permanently. And with instead of with my business uh, activities, I help with their formations, different uh, employment agreements, making things in compliance and make sure the law is complied with. Ah, very nice. So that is how um, there's like an EB4, right? That's how people can come over to the United States and do economic development? 
Well, there's the EB-5 program. EB-5. Uh, where you have a million dollars or um, $500,000 into a targeted area. Large investment, you have a setting up so that you have 10 brand new employees invest uh, created, 10 new jobs created uh, over time. And with its uh, investment into a business that you wish to continue and keep growing with. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So that's how some people that are from other countries that they really want to Venezuela. We'll use that one as the example. You and I were talking about that one earlier. Venezuela has a lot of unrest going on. People are trying to leave desperately. If they wanted to get a visa here, um, they could move their whole family with an EB-5 then, right? With an EB-5, and there's other uh, E programs, too, that can help with them with the employment. Um, they can do it temporarily with like a L1 just for a um, employment uh, temporary in the United States. However, they can do an EB5 investing into a brand new corporation, um, new business, creating the jobs, an E2 um, with a investments into a new business, um, creating new activities. Can they use that to start their own business also, or do they have to invest in a business that's already here and established? Most of the programs are going to be for new business, new jobs, new activities. However, there are ways to have an established business in the United States. Um, as long as you have proper percentage of ownerships, um, proper management, proper structure, you can have um, an established business and run with it. A lot of different ways. So this is like, this was nowhere in our show notes, and I'm going to be coming out of complete left field on the question with you. So you know I work in a startup accelerator, right? Yes. Starter Studio. And what if anybody with an EV5 wanted to um, invest that in a startup concept that's down there? Is that what they could do? And then actually that half a million would really help a business start, but then you know, potentially provide, obviously you said 10 jobs, so is that something that they can do? More than likely an EB-5 would not be the best program for that. There's a, other investment opportunities, though, where they can invest into the... Uh, really established businesses that are on the ground, right? Correct. With Making it, money, <laughs> not startups necessarily. Yes, with it, starting up new ventures, new activities with it, an established business, showing that it is profitable and everything else. Right. Um, however, it's not typically just simply dumping money into a business. It is making sure that the business is running properly and is able to sustain and create and grow. Mm-hmm. We're looking at like a five-year program to make sure that things are established, that they looking for growth, looking for um, improvements so that... It's not just simply a foreign investor coming in and creating jobs. It's a foreign investor coming to the United States and creating a business that's going to grow within within the United States. Um, The reason why I'm also asking that question is because there's um, uh, some organizations that I've seen that they've said, here you can come in, you can be a part of our portfolio. We have outside investors, and you know, and they don't necessarily mean outside of the United States, but just investors that are interested in looking at companies that they'd like to invest in. And I was thinking, well, maybe that's how people outside of the country are looking at investing in businesses here. Because certainly, let's say it could be Dairy Queen, okay? Dairy Queen is opening up a new place, you know, down the street. Well, that's a certainly a, 
well-known brand. People know it, but it's being privately owned by a franchise. That's one scenario. But the second scenario would be, oh, I want to invest in some type of a technology-based company. And that's where these platforms are where investors, like vetted investors that are accredited, um, can come in and, you know, input money into a business. So I was wondering if it's the same thing, if there's anything like that out there for um, EB-5 people that want to come into the United States and shop a startup (laughs) in this sense or obviously a franchise that's expanded. And then I'm going to add on to that question just so it's in the queue. Um, Does that mean that their family can get a job with that particular business if they're investing in it? Or it's really more if they're starting a business here. Again, there's a lot of different ways to establish it. And EB-5 is one of the the ways where our firm is very well known for. But an EB-5 is a brand-new investment opportunity, brand-new business um, creation of jobs, um, establishment of a long-term goal, long investment in everything. And once the investor comes in, um, he can have his entire family also come in with the uh, getting a green card and hopefully lead to permanent uh, citizenship in the U.S. There are other opportunities, um, other investment opportunities where they can have a, a foreign company own a U.S. company and wishing to establish the uh, uh, the company here, having a temporary visa, temporary work employment management agreements, and seeing if how to invest in lo- long-term making the U.S. company grow. Um, there's uh, other programs where they are extremely sophisticated, where they are the exceptional people within their country, and they're wishing to take their exceptional capabilities and put it inside the United States and improve the United States for what they're doing, that they are the best of the best, and they're coming here in the United States to improve the United States. There are a lot of different ways to invest in businesses, a lot of different ways to invest in their personal growth and personal development. Um, the end result is that you have to be improving the United States. Mm, yes, yeah. Yep, I get it. So that totally, you weren't even prepared for those. Excellent job of responding to questions that you went, oh, <clears throat> She didn't tell me about these questions, but I thought it would be interesting because um, there is one of the um, people at Starter Studio, her family is in Venezuela, and she was doing a a food drive and just like toiletries, those kind of things, so that they could send it back to their family. And there's another person that's in our office from a different country, and she's seeking um, asylum also. And I just see so many people coming over here and working in an accelerator. It seems like there's got to be a way that that could potentially benefit um, maybe both sides because some of those companies that are in there, they've already received, like, pretty good Series A money, Series B, and they're they're growing like crazy. I was thinking that would be where an EB-5 situation would be applied because they're established businesses, they're hiring, they're certainly showing the growth, um, but yet it's a technology. And do the families get any, after they make that investment, do they get any interest back or anything like that? Or it's just a fee that they pay? Because if it's an investment, I'm going, is there anything they get back? These are established businesses, so with a business, they are coming in, 
they're investing their assets and hopefully the business grows. Everything's at risk, meaning that if the business collapses, well, it's part of the investment. It could happen. Mm-hmm. However, the business grows, they develop it, they make everything great with it. Of course, they're getting a return on their investment plus interest, and with it, hopefully, the uh, um, permanent residency underneath the EB-5 or other ease uh, residency. I know they invest a lot in real estate and developing properties that way. Um, I just didn't know if if the families that use the EB-5 as a way to obviously obtain citizenship and be able to contribute to our economy, if it was something that they saw a return on, if it was, a, again, positive, a, you know, cash-producing business that was yielding a return. All right. You can't invest a put a million dollars into a company for the sole purpose of just getting a green card. That is not what it is. Mm. So you are investing inside the United States. You are growing a business, everything that happens with it. Um, so with it, it is a true business venture. Um, hopefully it's going to grow. Hopefully it's going to improve. Real estate is a huge thing with uh, investments, with rental, pro- with rental of different developments. Uh, hotels have been developed with uh, EB-5 investments where they uh, develop these uh, projects, new houses, establish great uh, businesses, great employment opportunities and things. Um, with it, there's a lot of established uh, ways to invest in the United States. Now, some things are at more risk than others. Part of the reason why we have the incentive that only $500,000 can be used in certain targeted areas that are, with, that are suffering without um, having enough employees. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with it, it's ways to grow to improve the United States, improve the economy, and it is a great, great opportunity. Um, Other countries do that also, right? I mean, I I know that if I wanted to go to uh, Chile, you know, they have economic incentives there, and they allow other people to come and invest in their countries. So it's not just a U.S. thing. Definitely not a U.S. thing. With it, we definitely encourage an investment inside the United States. Um, with it, we adjust the money, um, technology. With the United States is premier in um, intellectual property and intellectual development. So with it, we love investments in the United States. Mm. Um, again, there's a lot of different ways to invest in the United States. And with it, some are temporary immigration times where you're just working for a couple years, up to six years in different programs um, to create and establish a good company in the United States and you head back home and with it have great return on your investment. Otherwise, you can change your investment into a more permanent residency for you in the United States. So a lot of different ways, different programs out there. Um, I don't mean to be purposely vague with the statement, but it does depend on what the circumstances are for, for an investor. What are mm-hmm. they looking to do? What are they seeking? Uh, going back to Venezuela, there's a lot of ways to come to the United States, whether or not temporarily or permanently. Um, asylum being one of the ideas, but again, you have to prove that it's very harsh, horrible conditions that you're escaping. Yeah, I think uh, guns for. out in the street and everybody shooting, I think that seems to qualify for This is what they tell me. I remember I was on a call one time with um, a Skype call with one of my interns, and he's from Venezuela. <clears throat> and he had said, oh, i got to go, they're shooting. And I went, oh, my gosh, you know, you can't 
that that was just horrifying for me because I'm thinking, what happened to him? And it was the same. I had another intern that's from Zimbabwe, and they were experiencing the same issues shooting in the streets. It's not like we don't have that here. We do, but not to the same extent as they're experiencing. Very true. There's really harsh conditions. However, part of the asylum thing is, is it harsh to that person who's seeking asylum, Mm -hmm. to their family? Is it particular to them? And that's the other one of the key questions. So part of the misunderstanding that a lot of people have with asylum is like, oh, it's really harsh and it's really bad. Yes, but is it harsh and really bad to that individual? Not to sound callous or anything, but there are certain requirements. But there's other ways that you can escape the harshness of the, of the location, other ways to come to the United States um, with it in different courses of action that can be done to continue mm-hmm. education with the uh, seeking a, a degree to improve oneself here in the United States um, with education and learning how to, with that improvement, going back to, to their country and having a better life and better circumstances there or continuing on their job opportunities here in the United States mm-hmm. using their degrees from Venezuela and uh, applying for jobs here in the United States that they are particularly specialized for. Yeah, I know it's really hard for them many times because, and it's understandable. If if I went to their country and I'm looking for a job, if I don't understand the language well, I can barely speak it, I do not know the culture, I don't even know how to count the money, like it's going to be really hard for me to get a job. And I feel like they come in and into this country, uh, they can speak English, certainly while they didn't grow up here, I know that hands down they're they're a hundred times further ahead than myself, but it's it's really hard because many employers will look at that and go, oh, it's just you know more training and learning that has to occur to be able to uh, bring that person into the business. But I think many times it's um, something they should really explore because they could become a very loyal employee and they're not going to leave and really be a a very high contributing employee. Absolutely. Uh, There's so many things that people bring to the United States, bring to their employers, their backgrounds, their culture, um, definitely for their improvements. And with it, we may think, oh, I know everyone in my particular neighborhood. We all think the exact same way. So some person from Georgia, some person from California, some person from Venezuela, they all come with different ideas, and all of that can be used to improve the business. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So I'm going to switch topics here. You were an entrepreneur. This is how we met. It was like, I don't know, like a long time ago, seven years, eight years, something like that, uh, where we met. And we were mutually working with um, a similar, uh, the same client, and uh, you were doing your own entrepreneur journey. Why did you decide to go the entrepreneurial route? And I guess I don't know if attorneys, if you still do it on the side. I don't know, but I know some people do. So feel free to share your story. With this, with this said, I, I formed uh, Innis Law Firm, and with it, had started my own practice. Loved. Um, being able to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, mm-hmm. um, doing all those activities, um, everything that I wanted to do. So I was my own boss, loved mm-hmm. being able to do it, and uh, seeking out the different clients and helping out those that I can help with. And then um, 
continued on for several years. I actually uh, got brought on board with a different law firm as I was helping them out with uh, on their side business for quite often. And it's like, John, appreciate everything you're doing. However, we are tired of constantly just sending you the business. Why don't you come underneath us? And it's like, okay, sure, I'll join the firm and be- became part of them for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this said, I established my own firm. Um, Love the flexibility of everything, able to choose when and where I wanted to do all the work. And with that said, it's when I put my efforts into everything, that's when I get my success for it. Yeah. It's always nice. As every entrepreneur, we identify with, gee, I want to work on my own terms. What they don't realize is they work harder. There's no 40-hour week. It's like a 60-hour week because you're having to do so many hats. And you don't always have the other people that can help you, whether it's, you know, outside um, services or an employee. So, but you do what you love and you're going, but it's okay. 60 hours a week is okay. I'm doing what I love. I was going to say 60 hours. That's going to light. Yeah. <laughs> it's Constantly still- running is like, as I walk into the grocery store, I come and say, oh, how's everything going? And can I assist you with this particular matter or something like that? Yeah. Not that t- kind of direct solicitation, but with it, everything's an opportunity. Yeah. So there's an opportunity to grow the business, what we can do. And yeah, late at night, working on my marketing, working on different materials, helping with the clients and everything, making the phone calls. Beautiful activities. Um, definitely was working very hard over it, yeah. but I enjoyed every bit of it. Yeah. It was really, um, it's always nice to do that. And, you know, people ask me, I mean, I know this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life is being an entrepreneur. However, it is uh, something that every morning you wake up and you go, okay, yes, it's going to be a new day and there's new opportunities and we get all excited. So, but what is the statistics? It's like, is it 80% of the businesses that start up fail? More or less, yes. It's around there. Why do you think they fail? Does a lot of his bad expectations. Yeah, poor planning. Um, didn't didn't uh, outsource things that they weren't good at. I would say this also setting up your business. The best thing in the world to go to an attorney for is to make sure that your business is set up properly, and also your accounting. You have to decide if you're going to be an LLC an S-Corp, a C-Corp, and if you don't fill out all of the paperwork, it ends up biting you in the butt. Unfortunately, very true. And that's why you go to an attorney like yourself. So with it, as I try to establish with all my potential clients and clients is that I am much cheaper at the beginning where I can plan things out than when I have to be hired to clean things up. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that at the formation, just like, have you thought about this? Well, about your purchase agreements, mm-hmm. well, about your bills of sale, mm-hmm. what are your, these activities? That marketing campaign, how truthful is that marketing campaign? Mm-hmm. Let's make sure everything's compliance. Mm-hmm. And also um, terms and services on your website, right? You always have to have those things. And with the GDPR, people are not always aware of what that is. So there's so many reasons why people should go to an attorney. And they come up and say, the person walks in the office and saying, hi, I'd like to create a brand new business. I'm like, great. What are you doing? I am selling X product. I'm like, great. 
what type of activities are you doing? Are you manufacturing it? Mm -hmm. Are you doing this? Have you established yourself with a uh, sales program with the uh, state? How about the uh, federal government? What type of formation have you done with these? Who are you hiring from? Who your vendors are? Who are you uh, uh, selling to? How are you selling it to? What's your advertisements like? How's those marketing programs? So many questions. It makes their head spin, I'm sure. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, I know it does. I know it does. That's why you can only give them questions in chunks. So but Part of the program that I tried to do with them was like, okay, let's get the initial part, formation, great. Uh, one of the programs that we do offer them is like, okay, for like a monthly fee, you can ask me unlimited questions so many hours uh, uh, per month, and I can answer, review documents, do those type of things. So with that said, you have the contact for the attorney for all those things, because again, I'm asking all those questions, mm -hmm. blowing their mind, however, like, okay, let's space this out over six months' time, over mm -hmm. a year, what can we do to resolve all these different issues before they become issues? Yep. Um, what innovation have you seen from when you started law school to where it is now? You know, whether anything that's become automated that made your life easier, or made it easier for your clients. What do you think you've seen that has gone through these years? Wonderful social media. Um, the Internet has uh, allowed a lot of our highly classified forms to be relatively public information. Now, the only problem is the interpretation of these forms or is the concern. I mean, I've actually told clients that you go findlaw.com, there are some great forms there. Mm -hmm. However, making sure you use the right ones uh, the key thing. Um, <clears throat> attorneys used to be just the uh, repository of uh, information. and They knew what the forms were and how to get the process. A lawyer is supposed to help and assist their clients to run and do their business to process the courts correctly and get everything done. The Internet has made it very easy to find out all the uh, different forms that need to be done and with this just making sure the application to them is. So with it, I have – it's been easier for me to talk about different plans, real estate closings, um, trust formations, corporate formations. They have a basic understanding because they read it on the blog. They have better understanding of what this basis is, and I can focus on the more – minute details saying this is what we need to work on this area as opposed as you said at the very beginning I'm blowing their minds out with the what is everything that I have to cover it's mm -hmm. a huge thing business is not a simple thing to start no it's not <laughs> it is not some people will say oh this is your baby and it's kind of like being a parent in, in a very very distant way um, being a parent there's no rule book or guidebook that comes with it there are books but it doesn't mean that your child will follow that same thing the same is with a business and no way am I personifying a business but People will say, oh, my gosh, you know, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. Well, that's why you want to go to CPA, an accountant, a lawyer, make sure that you understand some things, do research so um, you understand more about what they're talking about, and you can kind of maybe um, create a budget so it would accommodate working with an attorney. Yes. Yep, definitely there. So, well, I'm going to take just a minute to uh, give a shout-out to our other patron. Simplicity Solutions Group specializes in web design, development, hybrid mobile and custom web apps built on proprietary application framework. 
They help businesses thrive in the digital age from web design to records management software. Their website is simplicitysolutionsgroup.com. Thank you, Simplicity Solutions, for being a patron of the Intern Whisper Live. So we are back here, and we're with John Innes. And this has been a total different direction than what we were originally doing with the show. But quite frankly, I think it's immensely valuable um, to any employers that are listening. I would like to also say you should come down to Starter Studio, honestly, and do a lunch and learn with the people in there because so much of what we've been talking about would be really helpful. We have some attorneys that come in, but not nearly enough. And just talk about, um, they usually talk about IP, intellectual property. But the benefit of understanding just, you know, legal 101, so you know how to set up your business effectively, that would be, I think, really beneficial. So I'm going to just plant that seed and maybe introduce you to Casey, um, Casey Field, who is the program manager down there. But I will definitely do that. Definitely, please. Yep. Anyway, we were just talking about innovation in the legal field. What, how have you seen how you use equipment, the technology, when you first were in school? Because I'm pretty sure that was before the Internet for both of us. And how it's moved over into everything you said, social media. And I don't know, is there any privacy anymore? I doubt it. It doesn't feel like it. But um, what else have you seen that's made your life easier? What software platforms do you think have been beneficial to you as a as an attorney? Let's see. When I first started uh, first started working, my boss um, used to the computer was with his two fingers as he's plug and play with his uh, keyboard trying mm. to figure out how things are. Um, of course, he was also telling me about the good old days when everything was on the typewriter. Um, with it, with wonderful technology, one of the things I always joke about is I am a public notary, um, and with this I can notarize documents. And one of the rules in the uh, statute says that you have to notarize documents with black ink. Really? And the reason for that was because the copiers at that time could not pick up blue ink, whereas today the copiers are able to color very well color. hard to tell the difference between what original document versus a fake one. Mm. So with the technology, we have definitely improved. We have scanning of documents. Um, with it, I remember with the normal DSR 112s, 120, excuse me, where you have triple documentation where you type everything in, take off the white page, then you mail in the, uh, hand the client the yellow page, mail in the pink page. Oh, my gosh. Those, yeah, like carbon copies. That's why we have CC on emails. And honestly, students that I work with, what is this CC? What is this BCC? They, they don't understand because it goes back to exactly what you're describing. People don't know. Honestly, I'm I promise I'm not really that old, but with it, none of I us are. Those offices that so yeah, and with it, um, quite a few of the forms uh, you so easy nowadays. You go online, you have the form that's already ready for you to type and print onto it directly. Whereas before, I used to have to print out those forms, put on the typewriter, get those corrections done. Um, the use of the iPad or wherever a local um, computer that I can go into the courtroom with and I actually pull up my files and I can pull up the, uh, the documents that I need to use in, at the courthouse right there as opposed to lugging the giant boxes 
Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because really, I think what our Internet is, what, 10 years old, maybe? I think 10 years. And in the span of that amount of time, that's really where we've seen so much um, the access to information and making it work so efficiently for us has just been light speed. And we it's a short amount of time, but it's just been growing so quickly that we just have no idea how to, um, I guess, manage it as effectively and carefully as we should be really good stewards, but also um, to understand the power of what we're doing. So that comes into more of a cyber cybersecurity side and have you do you use that in your business practice also is that something that you guys want? Well, we definitely have to use cybersecurity we have to make sure everything is protected we get emails we no longer talk on the phone very often so it's going to be everything's by email or documents a lot of times i don't even get to see my clients everything is communicated by the scans and faxes occasionally we have faxes but yes we still have those yeah not many um but with it we have have to make sure everything is secure with it on the law offices where we have so much confidential information, such private information, we have to make sure everything is well secured and with it making sure the clients are well secured. Um, with it, we always wonder if everyone knows about the attorney-client privilege where you know everything that's said between you and the client, you and the attorney is protected. Well, is it? What type of communications are we doing and what is it over with? Um, as we're communicating via email, is that really protected? How many different sources are we going through? Well, yeah, that's there. scary, too. So what happens when you do it on our text messaging? Who has access to that text uh, to your phone? What access do you have on social media or everything else? With it, I've seen cases that are destroyed where um, things that they thought were private, well, no, general public has access to it. Mm. So with the technology as has definitely made things much easier, but with it, you have to be careful what you're doing. And you've heard what's happened with Facebook and everything else. Yeah. But with it said, it's part of the development times. We have to make sure that we are growing with it. Hmm. Very true. Very true. So much to be... It's been a little bit longer than 10 years. Really? Okay, I have no idea. I have no concept of time. I live in the startup world, but how long do you think it is? I guess I should Google that really quick, too. How old? How when did the when? I was about forty years, but I'm just forty guessing. years. Really? Okay, I'm going to Google the this. The old joke one. that most people on the earth. 1983. Okay. That's what it Al says. Gordon created it, right? So supposedly, right? Yeah. So 1983. So that's you know, 93, 2003, 30 years. They're pretty close. You were way closer than I was. I'll give you that for sure. Definitely. Okay, so changing the topic again on you, because I know (laughs) we're going to be wrapping our show up here. Um, So leaders, great leaders are there. You can go up to three. You can share at least one, but um, if you don't have any, that's okay also. But who are some inspiring and great mentors that you've had, leaders that you've either read about, you've you have you know have had personally in your life they can be parents anybody that you think has influenced your life in a very positive way uh, i love to say my father um he's definitely led me to exactly <clears throat> everything he said i will take a profession 
So with it, he led me down the path, and with it, he's a medical professor. He was education, very big, very huge. And with it, he taught me discipline, how to do everything. Mm. Um, and with it, it's just proceeding, constantly going forward. And with it, not being detrimental to yourself or everything. So you're no longer the black sheep, right? Because now you've proven that law is a good field and your dad feels good about it. Absolutely. He actually went to law school after I went to law school to continue his education um, and also to be an administrator for the school. So with it, he became a lawyer so that he could continue on with everything with what he does. Oh, so you inspired your dad. Yes. That's pretty cool. And my sister married another lawyer. So with it, the lawyers are now taking dominance in the family. Is your son going to be a lawyer? We are seeing what he would like to do. Okay, so it's under discussion right now. Yes. Yeah, gotcha. Anyone else that you would uh, say has influenced your life? Honestly, I would say it's uh, Thomas Edison. Uh, not really a leader of everything. However, dedication and spe- um, going forward with everything with all of his activities. I mean, his famous quote about he, he never failed. He just found 10,000 other ways to not do it. Um, mm. With it, it's just constantly going forward. And he was a great entrepreneur. He learned how to figure out what there was an issue, how to develop it, and create a solution to it. Yeah, he did not give up. He was persistent in making sure there are how many failures, you know, hundreds, until he finally got to the, the working product. That is true. Do you have one more? I don't know. I'm not putting you on the spot. I just didn't want to cut you off. I was gonna, I'll stick with those two. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, okay, so we're going to finish up on the, uh, the intern stuff. So you've been a mentor and mentored certainly uh, law students for sure, um, but were you ever an intern? I was an intern. Um, with it, I was an intern in law school, actually, where I interned with the judge and also with the Miami School Board. Totally different. What was it like interning with a judge? I was great. I had no clue what the heck I was doing. I'm like coming in the intern, oh, I'm going to have to draft up documents, do all that. No, no, no. It's not what an intern does. Um, went to the uh, hearings, got to see what was done, uh, listened to the arguments. Uh, judge will come up, ask me different questions, how my thoughts were on anything. Hey, could you draft up an opinion on this matter? And would review it and see how okay, I see what you're going over here. Have you thought about these ideas? And with it, helped improve my research, help improve my writing style. Yeah, your critical thinking skills, too, because you had to think of everything. And with this, now I'm paying attention to the hearing. I'm listening to everything, listening to the arguments being made, and seeing, okay, how do I frame the order on this matter? Oh, that was a really great assignment to give you because it requires 100% engagement. You know, you can't wiggle on that one. Oh, my goodness. And the fact that you would be having to draw on just the knowledge that you knew, um, you'd have to also pay attention to what the judge is saying because that's going to be information that you may not have thought about or I guess attorneys would mention also. Wow. That is a great, great activity to do. Okay, so um, what was it like mentoring interns? I enjoyed mentoring. I loved the education. Um, with it, 
I love telling my clients everything out there about what they're doing with their business and said maybe scaring them a little bit with uh, all the different knowledge. And with it, I love teaching the interns. I would give them a simple assignment saying, okay, here's the form. Let's fill it in with these type of client information. Let's see what you can go with. And then have them go, have you thought about this part? Have you thought about this other one? What's your ideas for this? Hey, have you done any research on this particular topic matter? So with it, I had them um, form memos on certain things that I may already know about, but I wanted to have more information for so I can work on it. But it was an education for them to learn, okay, this is what you're all thinking about. Mm. A simple real estate closing transaction. Oh, it's just a simply D going from the seller to the buyer. How many different laws do we apply? We have different federal rules that are going with everything. We have the tax. We have real estate closing. We have the uh, commercial transactions. We have the intellectual property. Simple real estate closing is much more complex, and we had to think about all these different issues, and they get that education to the intern. And with it, they taught me, like, oh, have you also thought about that one? Like, ooh, that's a good point, too. Let's add that to our form bank. Mm. That's a lot. So you pretty much, it sounds like you used the activity that the judge gave you, um, but you made it applicable to what you were doing. Well, yes. I I can only teach what I know. Yeah. With it. Um, with it, it's going to be education. I know some parts of it. I'm supervising to see what they're doing. And if I can improve my own business with it, great. Was that the main purpose? Heck no. Yep. Very good. Well, it is time for us to wrap up our show. And so at the end of the show, John, just so you know what happens here, is I give uh, acknowledgement to Valencia College. I always want to thank Valencia for letting us be in the studio. We're at Valencia College East Campus. They have the state-of-the-art social broadcasting program here. Great atmosphere. And thank you, Q, who is the station manager, who made it possible for me to be able to get on to the uh, Facebook Live today. Um, Even though I had these written instructions, it was still the program crashed, and he was there to help save me. So thank you. Um, And now we're going to go ahead and give shout-outs. So Typically, John, a shout-out to anybody you wish. If you want to say, you know, to your son, to your whoever it is, you can always acknowledge quite a few people here at this point in time. Well, love a shout-out to my son, as you said. Sam Ennis, hello. Great talking to you. Yep. Now you'll be able to go home at the end of the day and say, hey, look, there's your dad. He's on Facebook. And hopefully you'll be able to, you know, I guess share it on your Facebook. Um, All right. So my shout out goes to Q. Thank you for saving the day today for me. And also to you, John, for being the guest on our show today. That's really awesome. And to our listeners. I always want to say thanks to our listeners. And how can you contact us? It's info at internpursuit.tech. Phone number is 321-422-2166 and go to internpursuit.tech. But before we sign off, John, how can people get in touch with you? Share whatever you wish. If it's an email or um, an office number or just the name of the firm, whatever. Well, we are King Law Center. Our phone number is 407 901 3535. You can find us online, www.kinglawcenter.net. N-E-T. 
Got it. Very good. So, again, you can find Intern Pursuit on Facebook, Twitter. You can listen to us live on MixLR.com forward slash Valencia College Radio. Follow the Intern Whisperer. And as we close the show, we say thank you to our listeners. Okay, and I sign off with our music made by Sophie Lloyd, our composer for the game. <laughs> 